0: what's up everybody welcome to this episode of the drags regime podcast i'm your host senior editor brian wagner this week on the show we have joel zolper joe what is going on how you doing brian i am just having a blast trying to tidy up a few things to maybe get one of my project cars out to the racetrack this week and then uh do the old shuffle of one that's running gets put to the side and the one that is broken goes to the lift to get fixed
1: well, see, that, that's the secret to being a gearhead is have more than one vehicle and you can just keep rotating stock. You know, that that's how you do it, you see?
0: In theory, but at the same time, uh, my bank account doesn't <laughs> appreciate it. My sanity absolutely doesn't.
1: Uh, yeah, my, my bank account hates me. And uh, sanity, what's that? I haven't had that in years. I don't even know what that is anymore. You know, I just work. I just work. If I'm not working on somebody else's stuff, I'm working on my own stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And the, most, and the most important thing to keep, you know, running is my daughter's junior dragster. And when my wife is racing her race car, nothing else matters. I'm not allowed to worry about anything else.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, when mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And when the daughter ain't happy, well, that's a whole different level of anger.
1: So, well, well, let's go one step further. When your teenage daughter's not happy, yeah. that's when you're just afraid. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> wild,
0: feral animals
1: yes yes i mean they scare me you, you don't even want to look at them don't even ask if they're hungry are you hungry it's like it's like that why are you even talking to me peasant that's yeah. how they look at you You know <laughs>
0: exactly that's you know I, i'm not checked out on the the children's weapon system but i've got you know family that has kids and yeah that's that is very much a uh, correct interpretation of that scenario
1: oh yeah absolutely and and uh you know i tell my daughter all the time you know, when I was a teenager, you know, I never acted like that and I never did anything wrong. And then my mom steps in and tells my daughter and, you know, how much I'm lying, you know, but you know how it is when you were a teenager, you were the smartest thing on the planet.
0: Oh, right? you, you knew everything. You knew everything. everything.
1: Yeah. There's nothing I didn't know. And just, just ask me, but apparently you know, then then the, then the reality of growing up happens and then you realize just how dumb you were.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You, You look back at things you did. You're like, wow, that was not the, uh, the best life choice to make at that point in time.
1: Yeah. Right. And, and I would probably say, you know, I wasn't, uh, that radical of a teenager. I, because I was the teenager that, uh, had my nose shoved in a Chilton's manual, you know, uh, when I was younger, it was dirt bikes and go-karts. I was always figuring out how to try to make them go faster, you know, or or just repair them, you know? And, uh, so that's kind of, you know, kept me out of a lot of trouble. I got to tell you, I know a lot of teenagers today, parents are very worried. They're getting in trouble and everything, but it was motorsports of any kind that, that kept me, you know, going down the right path. It, It definitely worked for me
0: kept you out of trouble because you didn't have the time or money to do anything else right
1: yeah that's right you know I mean I was cutting grass at cemeteries when I was 13 so I can buy go-kart parts you know what I mean <laughs> so you know you do what you got to do you know that, that was the mentality at a young age in order to go have fun you had to work
0: you know for, for some of our listeners who might not know you know who you are and what you're about let, let's kind of let's hear the, the story of Joe that kind of Where you started, what got you into drag racing, motorsports, and kind of, you know, where you're at now? Well, I was an oddball kid, I'm not
1: going to lie. I wasn't the, uh, you know, I definitely was not the popular kid. You know, I was kind of the the outcast, you know. Uh, Everybody in third grade was always, you know, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a fireman, you know, I want to be a police officer, a superhero. You know, me, I raised my hand, I want to be a diesel mechanic. And, you know, and everybody just kind of looked at me like I had a third eye grown out of my head. Uh, when I was a little kid, I was always running around with screwdrivers and pliers and wrenches, tearing my toys apart, just trying to figure out how they work, you know. And uh, that, that was just, you know, who I am. Some people are just born able to look at stuff and go, it's just nuts and bolts. It doesn't scare me. And I was definitely one of those guys. And. As I got older, you know, I got into dirt bikes and go-karts and four-wheelers and so on and so forth. Uh, And, you know, and then, you know, you get your driver's license and then it starts with cars. And uh, originally, I wanted to race motocross originally uh, when I, that was my dream when I was 16, Uh, but that didn't work out. And I ended up just uh, being around my dad and my brother and uncles and friends and family that are all in the cars. And, uh, it kind of just was a natural fit for me, you know, and it just took off from there. Uh, I've just always been around, you know, turning wrenches. Everybody in my family at some level is a mechanic of some sort.
0: And that seems to be, again, it's the most common theme I see when I talk to racers is that they were, they were brought into it via the family, you know, if, if you weren't brought into racing or anything mechanical via your family, you're like the outlier on the scale. And I think that's kind of what really makes motorsports and specifically drag racing so great is the fact that it is family oriented.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, everybody always says that we got our family and then we got our racing family. And, and, uh, because, That is the mentality of a lot of racers. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, every family uh, has got the crazy uncle down at the other end of the table, you know. And, uh, you know, every family's, you know, got the matriarch, you know. And it's no different in drag racing. And there's a lot of respect in drag racing for, you know, the elders that have, you know, been there, done that, you know, and and created the industry that we love. And um, I personally look forward to, loading up the trailer and, and heading to the track to see all my friends and hang out with them and go race and help everybody work on their car or do whatever. It's, uh, it's literally a lifestyle that uh, if you're a gearhead, you'll definitely enjoy for sure.
0: You know, was there a moment growing up that something you know being at the track or an experience that really just kind of like it 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 was the final turn of the screwdriver that really locked you into drag racing you know was it being around nitro cars was just was there something that you know put that hyper fixation on it for you that you remember
1: uh definitely nitro of course i mean you know everyone has their first experience seeing a nitro car go down the track but when i was younger uh you know what it was? It was, you know, working on my dad and brother's cars when I was little and, um, you know, that man versus machine challenge. It was the challenge for me that was uh, what set me in the direction of racing. And And keep in mind, I don't care what kind of racing it is. I love it all. You know what I mean? And I just love that challenge of man versus machine.
0: You know, it's funny. I I fall into the same kind of category of I love anything that's loud, fast, and dangerous and, you know, could potentially harm me. And, you know, Summit Motorsports Park, they recent, you know, this past week I was up there for the pro pulling event that they had. And you talk about like the prior, you know, two weeks before I was at this race and John Force was going 300 miles an hour, I come back. And you know the middle of the track is dirt, and you know there's pulling vehicles there, and it's still the same like that family vibe. People are friendly, and it still felt like home. But it was so cool to see like a facility like that being used that way to to spread the 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 horsepower gospel.
1: Oh yeah, and you know there's tracks and, and setups all over. You know the country that have that same type of atmosphere and that have you know a lot of um they show a lot of love for different uh genres of the industry too and and you got to open your mind and pay attention i know there's people out there you know they they don't like no prep racing or they don't like this or they don't like that at the end of the day me i think it's just all about enjoying whatever it is that you enjoy and just go out and have fun with it. It doesn't really matter, you know, what other people think. I mean, that's just my opinion. It matters what you think. It matters when you're having a good time and it matters when you can go to the track and, and see what I call lifestyle events where you have drag racing over here, you got drifting over here, you got dirt track over here, you know, and it's all in one, you know, one giant facility. I think that that is just awesome.
0: Oh, that's like LS Fest, Mo Party, and the Ford Intergalactic deal they do down at Beach Bend. That, like, if you can't go to one of those events and have a good time, you need to check your pulse because there's <laughs> there's so much going on that it's, like, it's literally overwhelming.
1: It is. It is. And and I think that, um, you know, I, I one thing I will say about the car industry, the, the motorsports industry as a whole, is, you know, I like everything from, you know, air ride to muscle to antiques to vintage to you name it. I mean, low lows and you name it. I mean, anything. I in the reason why people look at me all the time how can you like that you know and and i go well because you're looking at the car that is not what you want you need to look at the industry as the talent it took to make what it is you're looking at because i try like i you know usually let's be honest it's, it's kind of the older guys you know that don't like you know the the, the big wheels and the rubber band tires, you know, and everything like that. And I get that. It's not their era. It's not what they grew up with, you know, in the 60s and 70s. But, you know, I finally had to explain to one guy, I'm like, listen, if everybody thought like you, it'd be Craigers and yellow traction bars and chrome diff covers on everything at the car show. Uh, how long are we going to keep going to the car shows and seeing the same thing? Yeah. So You have to open up your mind in this industry to appreciate the work, the talent, the different looks, the different genres in order to be, what I like to say, at the happy level of this industry appreciating the work.
0: If, you, know, you, you mentioned big wheel racing. Have you ever been to one of those events before, seen those things in action?
1: No, I have not. Oh.
0: <laughs> so Last year, again, it happened to be at Norwalk, Night Under Fire. They brought Dunkmaster up in some of his Dunk Racing League cars. Uh-huh. And it it you talk about the, the build, the art of the build. These guys are taking class I'll say classic seventies, the big body cars that mm-hmm. you could pick up for pennies on the dollar. Right. That no like you know, that, that are now essentially they're popular now because nobody there's not a lot, you know, there's only so many sixty nine Camaros you can build. But yeah, these guys have crammed thousand to twelve hundred horsepower drive lines into these cars and they're beautifully built they still have oh, yeah. all the ac immaculate paint and they're out there trying to put all of this power down on those teeny tiny tires it's gnarly to watch
1: oh yeah no i, I watch it on uh on youtube all the time and, and and here's the thing i i love the people and i'm just gonna say it that are just behind the times Okay, and what I mean by that is, let's take drag racing for 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 example. These guys are on rubber bands, and you know they're 1500 horse in a Caprice, you know, and they're so fast. I mean, it's unbelievable, and they're driving them to the track. So when you have a guy, you know, with his you know, 10 second you know Chevelle, and it doesn't hook, you know, it, it's like it's like man, don't blame the track. Don't blame the tire. I mean, look what these people are doing. It's about the knowledge and how far that we have come in the last 10 years uh, with suspension tuning and shocks and, you know, preload and everything. The, the amount of knowledge that has happened in, in how we get this technology to work going down the tracks with computers and everything. If your Chevelle that runs 11s ain't hooking on the track it's you 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 need to start from scratch you you need to you need to uh get updated on some of you know the proper tuning aspect and and in this family everybody's willing to help you oh yeah if you see if you see them rubber band tire cars going down the track there's no reason why you can't with a slick you know running slower you know what i mean
0: you know what's There is one of those cars, I'm not going to say which one, that they. I saw video of them running the car on on the owner's cell phone with a radial on the back and a skinny on the front, you know, your typical 15 Mm -hmm. by 10 setup. Yeah. The car ran bottom nines on that setup. If that tells you anything, how nasty those cars actually are and what they are capable of and the ingenuity and the technology that goes into it, it's fascinating it really really is
1: yeah it oh it, it is fascinating i mean well look at technology, I mean you know I, I guess what i'm saying is and to be more blunt and i might be picking on some guys is if you got a, a 11 second car that's not working at the track you know and you're wanting to blame the track or or the prep or whatever the only thing i gotta say to that is we got radio tire guys on the street dragging the back bumper so the technology's there. Understand in this industry, people are willing to help you to get to that level. Don't be afraid to ask. There, are, they, 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 this, this Gearhead family is always willing to help one another, you know, to get your car to work and to be safe. You know what I mean? So what I'm trying to say is, is there, there's a lot of knowledge out there that has grown tremendously in the last 10 years with drag racing being so successful right now that uh this family is going to help you don't be afraid to get in and get dirty
0: and you know kind of going off of that you know you know with what you do in the industry and how long you've been doing it what do you think is the biggest (laughs) technological advancement we've seen We'll, we'll just go we'll go 10 years in the past 10 years that has change the face of drag racing you know what, what, what's some of the top ones you think
1: fuel injection
0: oh yeah i buy that for a dollar
1: yeah fuel injection i mean uh you know don't get me wrong i i still try to tell the younger generation that you you really need to know how a carburetor works and the tune on a carburetor to really understand what you're doing with the fuel injection and and so on and so forth um And, you know, so if you're starting out, I always tell everybody that because fuel injection is pretty simple and the computer does, you know, kind of do some things for you for the most part. Um, But I always tell everybody start with a carburetor. But the truth of the matter is if you want to go fast right now, man, it's just not carburetors. It's just not. I mean, it's just fuel injection is dominating everything because of the tunability. Uh, and, uh, you know, traction control and so on and so forth works great, you know, with all of this uh, coil on plug ignition is the way to go. I mean, there's so many things technology wise in the last 10 years. And not only that, I mean, also I'll add it, um, tire technology yeah. has come a long ways. Oh, yeah. You know? So with those two things alone, where is our speed going to stop? You know, I don't know, because we're pretty fast right now in in society. I mean, mean, we got, you know, guys in the threes in the eighth mile, you know, on a radial tire.
0: Well, not just that. It's guys, you know, I was been at the World Cup when the radial tire record was set, you know, by Fiskus and Kluger. Like a like a real Fox body Mustang, not, you know, a kind of like Vintag oem panels the car goes you know five seconds at you know 200 almost 250 miles an hour that's and i always joke the engineers at mickey thompson probably went they did what that's you're not supposed to do that right it's
1: yeah i remember that i remember that yeah
0: and it's crazy to watch what people are able to do with these vehicles and you know you got to feel bad for the rule makers at the same time because you know, for the longest time, you probably remember this too. Everybody said the tire's the limiting factor. The tire's the limiting factor. Well, through technological yeah. advancements, they figured out how to harness what the tire could actually do, which has led to, you know, three three 340s, 349 in the eighth mile on a radial tire. I remember when we were like, man, do you think anybody's ever going to go 350s? There's no way they could go 340s. I stopped, yeah, right. I, I stopped saying how fast could they go. The, the, you know, right. it, it's scary.
1: Right. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, when, when does it end? You know, think about how fast we've became in 10 years, you know, where does it end? And I think there's a lot of things in the industry right now that are peaking. Uh, That's why I think the industry is looking for a change as far as uh, knowledge because right now, let's be honest. I mean, you know, let's take radial tire and We'll just use that for an example. Uh, you know, if you're not in the threes, you know, in that class, you're not even competitive anymore. Well, the money it takes to go three, oh. you know, I mean, that's only for a select few. So the rest of us are going, well, man, I ain't no, it ain't no fun going to the track. when you know, when you're only running four fifties, you do a whole lot of work and spend a whole lot of money and you're, and you're nothing. I mean, you, you can't, you're not even, you're, you're not even on the roster, you know? So it, it, it throws into the effect that our industry has climbed so high based off of speed and ETs. Now what do we do? Now where are we going? Uh, you know, we have no prep. Let's talk no prep. Oh, yeah. Okay? You, you got no prep racing. I mean, listen, those people out there that don't know, I'm here to tell you right now, those guys are in the threes.
0: Yes, they are. Or,
1: those big tire guys are in the threes on a no prep track. So all these guys out there with their five second cars, you know, running eighth mile talking about how, you know, unsafe it is. It's about tuning ability and it's about knowing how to tune and it's about your car. Because if those big tires can go into threes, your big tire can go into five on a no prep.
0: Well, you know, they just had that big dig or die event this past weekend down at, uh, I think it was down in uh, Darlington. They had uh, like 65
1: uh, grand, I think
0: 65 grand. And they had, I think 112 small tire cars show up like, yeah, that's insane. And yeah, in that back of the track stuff, I mean, honestly, horsepower helps, but it's not the end all be all because you have to know how to really walk that edge of the sword to get that car down the track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, uh, you know, like i said earlier in this interview, man versus machine, there are just some of us gearheads. That's what it's all about. That's why no prep, uh, racing, uh, intrigues me. Um, because, uh, you know, man versus machine to make it work. I mean, there's something about that challenge that i like because i'm the guy that you know you you tell me i can't do it i'm gonna go try to do it you know I mean that's who i am but so that that man versus machine challenge on no prep eh, and i love it and one thing i gotta point out you know we we went from radial tire and we're talking no prep and you, you know you always see all these guys argue you know they they don't like no prep and then the other guys argue i don't i don't you know radial tire and everything but the problem is they're they're one in the same they just don't realize it okay and I've told these guys this. This is, you know, I says, um, I says, you got new prep guys that have a terrible surface with a really good tire, with you know, with a really good tuning system to make it down the track. And then you have uh, radio tire guys that have a terrible tire with just a really good racetrack. It's one and the same. It's just the, the opposite of the two contacts. Is really all it is.
0: Yeah, it's. <laughs> The money's still going to the same stuff. It's just that it's it's where you're pouring the power in uh, in the tune up. That's a little bit different. That's really about it to be 100 percent honest. When you when you you have to use that old phrase, when you know, you know, when you talk to the people that really do a little bit of everything, they'll tell you that the only difference is that they're loading the power up in a little bit of a different spot.
1: That's it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: And, you know, you speak of the, the man versus machine kind of. Battle and tribulation, and I think in the same vein on that, you know, let's talk Dragon Drive stuff. That mm-hmm. to me, you know, I've 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 learned this after going to these a few events. You know, when I was growing up, they had to Choose Your Own Adventure books. Remember those you could buy at the book fair, and you make the choice on where you go in the book. Uh huh. That's Dragon Drive racing, except you choose your own misery level. Do you want to try to drive a pro mod on the street, or do you want to have a good time behind the wheel of your Hellcat? That's where that is, and the challenge of man versus machine there is just, it's unbelievable to watch what those guys do.
1: I believe drag and drive events uh, are going to be the next big thing, and uh, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, In the last um, 20 years, you know, especially around my area, car shows have been extremely popular. There's one every night of the week somewhere around my area, okay? And once a month, we have a big car show in Morris, Illinois. And I mean, there, there's 800 to 1,000 cars once a month. Okay. Car shows are popular, but here's where Dragon Drive is going to come in and I think is going to dominate, uh, is because the reality is after 20 years in my area of being car shows pounded in your head, uh. People are tired to get their car ready to go to car show, park, pop out of chairs, sit in the hot sun all day. Let's be honest, it's really not that fun. No. But you know, if I say we're gonna have a dragon drive where we're gonna go do this road trip with everybody, and you can come back to the track and take your car down the track if you want. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest, most people I, I preach this all the time at car shows. The, the funnest part of the car show is on the way there and on the way home anymore. You know, it, it's not sitting out in a hundred degree heat, you know, uh, under a shade tree looking at another small block Chevy in a street ride. Let's go out and drive and have some fun. And this drag and drive mentality is going to explode in the next three to four years, bigger than what it is now, and I'll
0: guarantee it. And that's what's crazy because it's already, I mean, within the community, it's huge and more people are taking, you know, taking notice of it. And, you know, I think one of the best examples, you know, Johnny Lindbergh, the alcohol funny car chassis builder and racer that, you know, they took that, you know, him and uh, all the Australian guy took that, the shit box of doom that Tom Bailey now owns and they put Mm -hmm. an alcohol funny car engine in it and they figured out, Hey, to get this thing, you know, between events easier. Let's pull the burst panel off I the know. blower and put a throttle body on there.
1: Isn't that genius, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Like, genius. <laughs> and, and I can confirm that that was thought up over some drinks, which makes it even yeah. better.
1: I know. Right. But
0: I like, love that you, you talk about ingenuity and like, just thinking. like there is no box. It's like, you know, we're going to make this alcohol engine work and let, let's do this. Right. Like it's unbelievable what these cats think of the, you know, to finish these events.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, like I said, man versus machine, the ingenuity, you know, uh, think think about something, you know, you you take a a drag and drive event type of thing, uh, you know, drag week or whatever, you know, if none of that happened, okay. if, If these events didn't happen, a builder would have never come up with that idea because there would have been no reason to. So when a builder comes up with an idea like that, that's what leads into other things in the industry. That's what leads into other products, you know, that, that, that make things usable, that, that make cars go faster, that, you know, keep growing the industry. That's why, you know, we need this stuff out there.
0: Yeah. It's like the gear vendors overdrive. Like they sponsor all this stuff because, a lot of these faster cars use what they have. And the trickle-down effect on that is not everybody wants to do the drag-and-drive thing, but they sure as heck would love to have the ability to click their whatever into overdrive and enjoy a longer cruise. They're just not trying to shove 5,000 horsepower through it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and, uh, gear vendors overdrive is almost a must with some of them cars that do these drag-and-drive events. You know what I mean? Uh, I personally... Would, uh, you know, been thinking about a drag and drive type event myself about putting on. I'm not sure. Uh, I've been kicking it around. I I have some ideas. I want to do something a little different. Um, But I think that, like I said, I think in, in, in five years, depending on the economy, I'm going to make a prediction right here, right now. Five years. Drag and drive events are going to be so big, you're going to hear of a drag and drive traffic jam. I'm telling you. Backed up traffic of nothing but drag and drive cars somewhere because there are going to be so many people wanting to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the, the cool thing about those events is you don't have to necessarily make them a week long. You know, with, with the the proximity of some of these tracks, you could legit do it over a four-day weekend and hit three tracks.
1: Yeah. Actually, I, I actually had something else a little in mind. I wanted to do a um, starting on a Friday night. And go to Sunday night, and I wanted to do something that was a weekend thing, uh, that was affordable, that was realistic also. Because there are some of these events, you know, like, for example, I I got a blown Himikuda, and I was going to do Drag Week. And I started, you know, mathematically figuring out budget, you know, and everything. It's expensive. It's a lot of money for the average household, you know. So I thought, how can I do one that is still cool, still a good time but yet affordable? So that's what I'm working on in my mind. I'm trying to come up with something that is more user friendly where you're not taking a week off of work. You know what I mean? On top of the expenses. You know what I mean? I'm trying to come up with something a little different.
0: And and the cool thing is, is that with building those kind of cars and what it ties into is like, it, it starts going back to, you know, another thing that helped change the industry. remember this, you know, when the fast street car stuff really, really took off the world's fastest street car shootout, the pump gas drags, it's starting to kind of come full circle with that. And it's not something where you just have, you only do drag and drive events. When you build something like that, you can go to an NMCA or an NMR event and run true street. You can go to a street car takeover race and go do that which again is another thing that people are really starting to discover which you know i've been to a lot of you know their events the streetcar takeover stuff again is a mixture of everything it's got the lifestyle event and it's got amazing racing all the same place right yeah
1: And, and and if you think about you know the um the effort that's put into having these events. I mean, that's how dedicated some of these guys are, these promoters and everything about the industry and the love for the industry, because these drag and drive events, they just keep getting better and better every single year. Yeah. And and that's something to be a part of. I mean, I know guys out there right now they're building cars just for this drag and drive stuff. They, they, they love it.
0: And again, the cool thing is, is it's something where, you know, you, you, you plan your vacation around it, you know, like my vacation is going to be sick week this year, but I have this car done and then I can go to a local car show with it. I can take it to a test and tune night. I can do this. It's being able to really enjoy what you build. And I think that's again, part of the, the important backbone of what we do is enjoying the build, not just looking at it.
1: Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, building cars, you know, there is, uh, you know, as as you well know, there's a lot of work. It takes a lot of responsibility to make sure that you're building it safe and you're not going to hurt yourself or anybody else. And but building a car, there's a sense of pride when you build your own ride and you show up at some of these events, even though you may not be the fastest, you may not be the baddest but you're also proud of the knowledge that you have learned and the knowledge that you have put into your ride to to be at at an event.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to ask you about this. I I see a reoccurring theme is that most of your vehicles seem to be Mopar in nature. Are you the true quintessential Mopar no-car kind of guy?
1: Uh, You know, when it comes to the old muscle car era things, Yes, I, I I'm a Mopar guy, you know through and through, uh, but the truth is I like everything. I'm not gonna lie, you know I am I'm, I'm a '69 Chevelle guy. I'm a '69 Camaro guy, you know. Um, I I'm definitely a '67 Mustang Fastback guy, you know. Uh, you know I, I love everything. Uh, there's nothing that I yeah I shy away from. I just involved in the Mopars because my families were um and you know it's just what i stick with because uh you know now i got so many parts laying around i might as well stick with it or what i don't want to jump in the ford now you know yeah <laughs> that, that's that's all you know
0: oh, i i i know that feeling too we joked that there's enough parts out in my shop right now if i had a fourth gen f body i just literally just need a bare chassis we could build a running car in a week there's enough parts laying around my shop that we could put one together. It, I don't know whether that's a good thing or if I should be upset about that yet. I haven't decided now yeah. at the same time, what's, what's the story behind you? You know, the, the gray blown car that you have. Cause that thing, you know, I snapped pictures of that at PRI years ago. That's, that's a pretty nice piece. How did, how did that build come about?
1: Uh, so I started with a, uh, rolling shell, uh, of a charger. I painted a guy's semi and he gave it to me. It was pretty rough. And, uh, eventually I, the plan was, I was just going to make it a big block four speed car and, you know, make it my daily driver. And what ended up happening was I got talked into building a two chassis car. Cause I was racing my, uh, my Hemi blown GTX at the time. And so I thought, all right well, why stop there? You know, I've always wanted a Daytona. I'm going to build a Daytona. So one thing led to another and it was a whole lot of cutting, welding and grinding for many, many years to get to the level that I wanted. now, because I had to put the car in the back burner because of uh, dealing with garage squad and getting garage squad up and running. And uh, that took a lot of my time over, over the course of, you know, a few years. Um, and then I finally got back working on it. So between the time I started to the first time I started up that car was about nine years to build that car. And uh, there is not a body panel on that car that I have not modified other than the roof skin.
0: And, the like, that is, again, one of those cars that could win a car show and win a race just by the sheer amount of, like, work that you've put into that car. It is it's really nice to see it. Was that the the whole vision that you had behind it or did it just kind of evolve into a show winning race car?
1: No, it, it, it was a vision that I had, uh, you know, if I'm going to do this, here's what I'm going to do. And a lot of people thought I was nuts. And, um, right now it's the only one of its kind in the world with the chassis setup that's on it. And, uh, uh, in the way it's built, uh, there are a couple other ones out there um, that are at different stages uh, than mine, um, but mine's the only one at, you know, the stage that it's in, and it's just something that, you know, I, I I dare to be different, and I got told, you know, by some people making fun of me that I'll never do it, I'll never get it done, it's never going to happen, and no problem. So that's all, this all the fuel I needed, and I made sure that it happened um everything on that car has been just handmade and and modified and it's just you know the, again you, you got to really have some deep love in this industry to to put the amount of hours in that car that i got into it you know
0: and not just that you also built your own totter home too didn't you
1: my totter home yeah the totter yeah, home. Yeah, the, yeah we call it the kraken and uh yeah i started out with a 2001 kenworth w900 And, uh, it was just an over the road truck from Texas. It was nothing special. And I cut the frame, uh, and I stretched the frame nine foot in the middle, right here in the shop and five off the back. And me and my wife, we cut steel for days and, uh, welded it all up. And my wife would drive her nuts because I didn't write anything down. It was just all in my head, you know, and where we're going to put everything and what it needs to be and uh as a matter of fact we were uh finishing up some cabinets today this morning and it. uh, uh we're almost done i'm waiting on some uh some pieces of trim that i got to take care of and some doors and we're almost done with it
0: see that's awesome because i am a rig whore i love like i'd be the world's worst rich person because i would just have like two or three different rigs just because you know i could probably afford it would want to have them for different purposes so anytime i see something that's a little bit different like that totally love it especially big props for building that yourself because that's like that's a carpentry and metal fab project and a mechanical deal all rolled into one
1: yeah yeah oh yeah yeah it's like building a house and and still being a welder fabricator mechanic all in one you know plumber electrician you know and uh The the thing was, is is I'm going to be honest, I'm going to pick on some of the industry uh, when it comes to motorhomes is if I'm going to spend, you know, the the ridiculous amount of money that some of these companies want for these toter homes. man, I want a big rig. okay? I want my stacks. I want my chrome vortexes. I want my big bumper, you know, my drop bumper. I I want, you know, if I'm rolling, I want to roll. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just how I am. And nobody has or builds anything that I have found that looks like the Kraken. Okay. And I keep telling some of these, some of these builders out there that build motorhomes. I'm like, if you guys would build the traditional, like big grill trucks, like these Peterbilt's and Kenworth's, you, you probably have people lining up. Cause I couldn't tell you how many people have tried to buy, buy the motorhome that I built or want me to build them one and it's like i feel a lot of these motorhome companies are missing the boat you know and and you know that's just how guys are guys want you know like a badass rolling down the road that's just the truth
0: yeah that's why you know i i love going to dirt track races um you know late models and scott bloomquist always has the coolest damn rig that murdered out thing that he's got with the under lights and just how that it looks like. Yes, Mad Max decided he wanted to go dirt track racing is the only way to describe that rig. I mean, it just looks yes. absolutely awesome.
1: I know the rig. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That thing is very, very, very cool. And that you're right. I mean, again, I, you know, there's a lot that goes on in this industry that, uh, I think there's there there's room to make things grow. I sometimes I just think we got the wrong people sitting in the office. I really do I, on many levels with a lot of things in the industry, and but it, it's all coming around. People are starting to realize what what other people are wanting on, on many levels.
0: And speaking of what people are wanting. You know, we did this story about your, your little event you're putting on here. Why don't you talk about that a little bit because the, the it, it's an interesting concept on what you're trying to do. So tell, tell our listeners, you know, what what you're doing with that.
1: So we're putting on a race called the Builders Brawl. And what the Builders Brawl is, is you got to send in a submission uh, and you got to show uh, a panel of five that are going to vote on your submission That uh, you are a builder and the work that you have done to your car or a car or whatever it is that gets you at that level to be classified as a builder, uh, such as, you know, build your own chassis, build your own motors, uh, all your tin work, metal work, body work, paint, uh, things like that. And we're looking for those people that are at the next level. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is, is we're not putting down people that are not, but you know, like everything in competition, there's got to be a cutoff point. So if, if your idea of, you know, that you just installed your motor, that the machine shop built, uh, or you just wired up your car, or you just bolted together, those are not those are not things that are going to qualify you as a builder for this race. You need to be at that next level. Uh, and wiring your car and plumbing your car is, is, is not even at that, is not part of the level. And what I mean by that, because people are like, well, what's the level we're looking for that guy that went, you know, I'm going to buy a bender and I'm going to bend up my own chassis and figure it out. I'm going to buy a welder and maybe go take some welding classes so I can learn how to weld together my own chassis and do my own fab work. You know, we're looking for the guy that, uh, you know, he's taking the responsibility of assembling his own motor. So when he pulls his car into beams, it's on him. So, you know, uh, we're looking for the guy that, you know, he did all the sheet metal fab work and paint work and everything himself. And he figured out how to do it. He learned how to do it. These are people that are behind the house in their garage that went to the next level of wanting To know and have thirst for knowledge to be classified as a builder that's who we're looking for and not everybody is at that level and we know that and we're not picking on the people that are not at that level but you know um we're also looking for people that are it's no different than when you play basketball you know i can play basketball i like basketball that doesn't mean i'm good enough to play in the nba well the reality is is you may you know put your Earl's fittings together and maybe, you know, put on some butt connectors and assemble your car. But you are not, you're not enough to be part of the builder's brawl. You got to be at that next level. And the reason why I'm doing that is if you go to some of these high schools and you talk to some of these auto teachers and everything, the idea of building your own stuff is getting lost because everyone now is just about cut a check and move on. Okay, which good for them if they can. But a lot of people have the mentality that I can't have that because I don't have the money and we're losing the mentality that you can have that if you're willing to learn and get off your rump. Okay, and there's a lot of people out there that do that. And I want to start showcasing these people because what really hurts some people's egos is that are not builders without builders in them backyards or, you know, across the country at other companies or shops, this industry doesn't exist. Nobody's racing. Nobody's doing anything. And we need to start, you know, paying a little more respect for these guys that are working hard to try to learn how to do this stuff. Cause those are going to be the ones that are going to start the next small business that are going to make the newest and latest greatest products. These are the guys that are going to that next level, and they're going to keep going. And we need to start showcasing them and start promoting them.
0: Oh yeah, it's with you know dealing with the projects that I've been building for the uh, you know for myself. I've had a lot of help from my friends because I only have so much knowledge and capabilities, which I will happily recognize and. I just, it, for me, it comes down to time. I don't have time to perfect what it takes to build a car from a pile of tubing to a finished product. But I have the utmost respect for guys that do it because along the way, I've been helping my friends do this stuff, doing my own stuff as I can. It is a massive undertaking to build a car from scratch. People do not understand that.
1: Oh, it's a huge, it's a huge undertaking, huge responsibility. Um, You know, it's a lot of stress, you know, on the family. It's a lot of stress on spouses and yourself. People don't realize that. I mean, you know, we are looking for the guy, you know, that, um, you know, after he puts his kids to bed at nine o'clock at night, he's still out putting in another three, four hours building his car. You know, that, that, those are the kind of guys we're looking for. And these guys, you know, need to be hi- highlighted. And what I mean by that is, I'll give you an example. I've said this before. Take your take your famous, your favorite race car driver, whoever that may be, okay? And let's just say it's John Force. We'll use him for an example. I believe it's perfectly great to have, you know, John Force on the side of the trailer, you know, when you see his mug on the side of the trailer going down the highway. But I'm also thinking, in my mind, how I see it is, well John Force is cool. I like John Force For you know as, as a race car driver and I am a fan of John Force, but the crew chief should be there too. because without the crew chief, John Force is nobody. And, and people are losing sight of that and, and uh, you know it takes somebody to be able to get that machine to go down that track and let's face it, it's not John Force. He's not out there swapping cranks and pistons and rods and and you know doing the tune up, right? And I'm not picking on him, but it's the truth. And well, who's the guy that's making this happen? Who's the guy that's setting the records? Because we always say, you know, John Force set a record this weekend. You know, John Force set another record. He did. And John Force has how many championships? He does. But it also took somebody that has the knowledge to get that car to go do that. Yeah. And and I and I want to start getting society and this younger generation to understand, uh, you know, it takes more than just someone sitting in a seat with a steering wheel to break these records.
0: That's why I love talking to I I call them the old school racers. Um, I I fall down. I find myself falling down YouTube rabbit holes all the time to kind of, you know, you, you relive that nostalgia of your childhood and. One of my guilty pleasures is watching, I remember it was the Nashville Network, and they had the show Winners. And they would, mm-hmm. they would highlight these different racers. Well, they had the Coletta family on there. You know, you had Connie doing his deal, working on the car. You had Scott working on his own car, and you had Doug there working on the car, and you had, I think, maybe two other guys. That was yeah. it. That was it. Back yep. in the day with nitro racing and they were building a lot of that stuff probably back at their own shop up in, you know, Michigan as well. People right. like that to me is another level of impressive. When you talk to these old school guys that used to race nitro. If you raced a nitro car to a track, I have a new level of respect for you because that means you're old school. In my opinion, you've done a lot for the sport, right?
1: Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, you know how it goes with politics, with NASCAR and everything. You know, sponsors want the package now. You know, they 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 want the, the the pretty smile. You know, they want tall, dark, and handsome. You know, they they you know if you if you look at all the ones that are coming in with sponsors, that's what they're looking. They're they're turning it a little bit more Hollywood versus what it was, you know, forty fifty years ago, where these guys were grudge roughnecks. You know, these, these guys were guys out there that were just, you know, they, they were getting down and dirty. And you got what you got when you interviewed them. You got what you got now. You know, I mean, let, let, let's, let's be honest. Let, listen to some of this stuff like a NASCAR. I mean, it's almost like it's written for them when they get interviewed, you know, and and now that's just kind of where the industry's going. It's getting so Hollywoodized that, uh, well, what? Well, if that's how we want to make our drivers, then fine, let's make our drivers be that way. I'm fine with that. But then let's start paying attention to the builders that are actually putting that driver in the winner circle that's making him a rock star.
0: Yeah, I totally agree that NASCAR drivers just – they're not cut from the same cloth anymore. I remember I was, again, watching some of these old school videos, and they had an in-car of Harry Gant during a caution lighting up a cigarette in the car and just smoking during the caution. Yeah. yeah. Could you yeah. imagine? I mean, let alone they don't wear open-faced helmets anymore, but let's say they did. Could you imagine what would happen these days if, uh, we'll, we'll say, we we'll, we'll even say Kyle Larson lit up a cigarette during a caution. People lose their minds.
1: Oh, absolutely. they lose their minds. And, and the thing is, is when you are sissifying racing, is what I like to go. I'm just going to be blunt. That's how I, what I call it's how I look at it. When you start doing that, you know, it kind of takes away from the grassroots and what this is really all about. I mean, it it really does. I mean, you know, racing is they're, they're monopolizing it. They're turning it into, you know, a corporate, you know, entity and we're losing, what it's really supposed to be all about. I mean, you can see it on so many levels in all different sports. And so there's nothing I can do about a lot of that. So that's why I'm having the builder's brawl and I'm trying to bring back that, that rough neck, you know, uh, mentality of, you know, in racing and what it's really all about, because, you know, we're losing, what racing is really all about in my eyes, because it is turning into, it's just, you know, the deeper the pockets, the better chance you're in the winner's circle. I mean, that's just the facts. I mean, you can pay tuners, you can pay suspension tuners, you can have the best motors, the best chassis built and you know, and you get these people, you know, in the palm of your hand and it is, and money does come in and ruin it. So I thought, well, how can I have a race that's not necessarily about the dollar? And I thought, well, let's take away the dollar a little bit and make it more about the knowledge and so you can't come and race at my race if you don't have the knowledge and we got a lot of people that are supporting what we're doing i mean we have a lot of people in the industry we have a lot of sponsors we have uh, so many people that are supporting what we're doing with the builder mentality that I've been working on this now for a year and I know I'm going down the right track because they already got a TV show about them building their own race cars to go back to race on the street. And, and I, and I'll be the first to say it. I know some of them wouldn't qualify as the builder at my race. So I know that the idea of what I'm doing is correct. And people are begging for something else Dude. and I'm trying to give it to them.
0: well, yeah, I mean, it it circles right back like we were talking about with the Dragon Drive events. It's people that are building stuff within their means. People want to see that. Like, is it neat to watch Pro Mods race on the street? Sure, but like, it's not as neat as watching, like, to me, old school back half cars. Like some of the cars that are coming to your event that, you know, I've done stories on that. I know those builds that they are, they, they are badass cars that were built by people that could afford to do what they need to do based on their skill levels. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And well, if you think about it, that's basically what it was, you know, back in the seventies and sixties, you know what I mean? It was, you built what you could off of your skill level and you tried to make it work. And that's, that's just the way to go right now. I mean, in my mind, I think right now you're going to start seeing in the industry more respect for the builder uh then you are the racer and i believe there's a change and take take no prep racing for example uh you know it was just a few years ago there was a lot of big names that were laughing at it, talking about how stupid it was and it's never gonna take and no one's ever gonna do it and la da 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 and now look at some of the names and the money that we going in the no prep that we have going in the no prep racing because let's face it, they can go run a no prep event and make more money than they can run in any other event.
0: Oh, yeah, and,
1: and so that should tell you that um, there's some people out there that are running certain organizations that uh, they're kind of dinosaur mentality. They they need to catch up with the times. They're they're way behind, and but back to the money aspect of it, going in the in the no prep racing, uh, it. it it's also veered off in a different direction uh, because of how deep the pocketbook is, and I'm trying to go. I'm not saying that you you can't be rich to come and race at my event, uh, but what I am saying is you better have the knowledge when you pull into the beams or you can't compete. And so it's very hard to dictate a race based on money, uh, but. So the next best idea that I had is I'm going to base it off your brains.
0: No, and that that's that's a, another. You know, you're finding a way to equal the playing field. You know, we we talked about on DragZine before we did an article about what if nitro teams could only use one engine throughout the weekend. Imagine how much that would potentially change that aspect of the sport where they'd be limited on what they could do. Because Nitro is going to tear stuff up no matter what. But you look at some of these teams and they're just loading a, f- like legit you go to an NHRA national event and some of the bigger budgeted teams, they will have four short assembled short blocks rolling out of the trailer. That's Oh, a-
1: absolutely. I know guys that run NPK that got three bullets in the trailer. Yeah. You know, with transmissions and all. That's why at my race, you're allowed one block. In one crankshaft. Everything else, if you can fix it, have at it. But that's all you're allowed. If that stuff's damaged, you're done.
0: And it's, the, you know, I've been to some of Donald's races where, you know, like uh, when they first start, you know, when they did the Sweet 16 for $100,000, dudes were putting the Chernobyl tune-up in those cars because yep. <laughs> it was – you know, the the, the people that love those events just as much as the race and the spectators were the engine and transmission builders, because on Monday morning, they were getting some rushed phone calls to fix all the stuff that just got tore up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I know. Absolutely. and. And, uh, now, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking two, you know, Rosler transmissions in the trailer at 15 to 17 grand a piece, let alone torque converters, plus the the short blocks and the long blocks that they, they carry with them at some of these races. And, you know, no prep racing has went into a glorified, I would probably say it's just as expensive to run no prep right now than it is to run top alcohol funny car. If not more, I think no prep might even be more. And, and, uh, so how do we slow that down was my idea. And my idea went, well, you got to be a builder. Now, some people are out there going, well, Joey, not everybody builds their own stuff. That's right. So this race isn't for you. Sorry. I mean, I know we live in a world where everyone feels they need to be entitled to, you know, uh, to be a part of everything, but that's not reality. We are rejected every day. We're rejected when I want to go to the, cubs you know stadium and play baseball i can't you know when i want to go play with the bulls i can't you know uh when i want to go play hockey i can't you know why because i'm not good enough and i'm not good enough because i didn't put in the time i didn't put in the effort i didn't put in the practicing so it's not my thing so where is the nfl and the mlb and the nba for drag racing well as here at the builder's brawl and that's what i'm doing so no it's not for everybody and you got to be at that next level and and uh you know you we want the guys that put in the time we want the guys that did their reading and their research and the and the and the the learning and the failures you know uh to, in order to be at that next level and so if there's people out there that are upset about it well that that's did that work harder that that that's the joe zoper that everyone's wanting to know. That's who I am. I mean, you can cry and whine that you can't come to this event or you didn't qualify. Uh, Do better. It's on you. It's not on us. I mean, we, we have rules. We have stipulations. Uh, We have, you know, over a hundred people that have met those rules. Uh, And for the ones that can't, we're not shunning you away. We want you to come and support this because maybe you can learn a thing or two meeting some of these drivers at my race And um, be ready for next year.
0: And that's, again, what makes the 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 event so unique and interesting is that it's a it's on a different level. It's something that's not been done before. And hopefully that there will be people that really want to come out and enjoy it for that fact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, but you want to know what though it, it was, this was brought to my attention last night at about 11 30 PM. I'm out in my shop. I'm working on my race car and the phone rang and a conversation was happening and you want to know what, I want you to think about something. I'm the first one to ever do a race that is calling out people on their own credibility. And what I mean by that is, There's a lot of people out there that think they're all big and bad and beat their chest on how great they are with the things that they think they can do. And now they're intimidated because someone might call them out and tell them, no, you're not. And no, you, you've been lying to a lot of people and no, you're, you're, you're not the, the welder fabricator, you know, that you say, I mean, you got people, I know people out there saying I built my own chassis, you know, or not me, meaning them. And they didn't. You know, I built my own motor. No, you didn't. You know, now there's a there's way trust me when I tell you there is way more than people than you can imagine out there. And now I put together a platform that's calling these people out and they're not liking it, and I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me none.
0: Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, I always like to have a little bit of fun with my guests and ask an interesting question and you know, for Joe, for yours, you know, you, you like to build, you like to use your hands, you like to do things. If you had the opportunity to work on or tune or build any kind of race car out there, what would you want to build? Something that you you know, it's not a pro mod. What's something else you'd want to tune work on, build if you just had the budget to to build it? What would you want to build?
1: Baja truck. Okay. Definitely. Definitely that de- the um, I would love to build a Baja truck, Baja 1000 type stuff, trophy truck, um, because um, again, the man versus machine. Uh, it intrigues me that we have these motors and these trucks going across that desert, wide open, nonstop. Suspension never gives up, uh, and yet, but yet it's like riding on a pillow. The technology that has went into that sport uh, intrigues me, and. Um, uh, if I was a millionaire, uh, after I got done with all my projects, that'd be the next thing that I would build. And I'm the kind of guy that I would go in building it, not knowing a damn thing, and I would figure it out. Um, that would be definitely something I would like to try to get into. Yeah.
0: I think then you would like the phrase that we use in my shop: "Have no fear, the angle grinder is here." That's how we solve a lot of problems.
1: <laughs> That's like I tell everybody: it's only metal. You can always fix it yeah you know no matter what so yeah yeah. Yeah. i would say trophy truck
0: and you know the funny thing about trophy trucks and stuff like that is you know i see them on tv for years i remember the first pri i went to and i saw one in person i'm like damn that's a lot bigger than what i thought it was going to be like the this the sheer size of those trucks is intimidating
1: yeah 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 they're 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 awesome and and uh but, you know, the, the suspension technology and then things is just crazy. You know, I mean, I, I uh, it just those are the things that uh, intrigue me. The, the, the challenge of I don't know nothing about it and I want to know about it. So what do I got to do? I'm the kind of guy that I'm not going to go buy one. So how do I know about it? I got to build one. And and that's what I would do if I had that kind of money. You know, that, that that would be on my list for sure.
0: Call up metal supermarkets and be like, Ship me a lot of Chrome Just trust me. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need extra because I'm probably gonna be cutting some of this back out a time or two. Yeah, th- yeah. there's
0: there's gonna be a couple of oopses involved here and I'm gonna give me a couple good ideas. So yeah, just uh just keep it coming until I tell you to stop.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well Joe and- I I appreciate you having me on and I got to tell you uh, also what you need to know, you know, I always say, you know, the builders, uh, you know, make this industry go round and we need to give them a little more respect, but also, man, it's guys like you, uh, you know, that go out and interview all of us that is getting the word out there, on new ideas and new products and and everything you got, you do and everything you do at Dragzine. And I got to tell you, thank you very much uh, from me. Uh, and we really appreciate everything you guys do, and you guys deserve some appreciation, too.
0: I, you know, I appreciate that, and I tell people, I was like, I have the coolest job in the world because I get to tell, help tell people stories that normally don't get told. The, the, yes. the builders that build these cars that, you know, they might not necessarily get the attention because it's not a, you know, a big name radio car, but it's a really, or, you know, a pro mob, but it's a really cool bracket car this guy's had since he was 16. And, you know, his dad helped him with it. You know, people don't understand how much that means to those individuals when you tell their story and they see that in print. Even if it's a digital magazine, that right there, can, that can make someone's life. And to me, that's that that makes it all worth it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, to to do that and to get recognized like that, you know, hey, you know, I'll tell you guys right up front, everybody that's listening, you know, if you've ever been to a car show and you painted your own car, you built your own car, you whatever, and you go to a car show and you see some guy that, you know, he paid everybody to do everything to that car and he wins the trophy. If you've ever been that guy and you're like, you're not upset about it, you know, because the car may be gorgeous, it may be better than what you did, but you're like, man, I did all this work myself and this guy just cut a check for all these famous people to build a car. If that's you and you're upset about that, come to the builders brawl this weekend, Friday and Saturday, help support what we're doing, whether if you're racing a car or not, and just come out because it's going to be the first time ever under one roof. Everybody is going to have that same mentality as you, as a builder, uh, as a creator. And this is going to be home for a lot of people. And I'm going to work very hard to try to keep this going and to make sure that uh, we get to do this multiple times a year. I'd actually like to start a series. And if you help support what I'm doing, I want to do this with car shows. I want to do this with drag and drives. We're going to do this even possibly with maybe some real production, maybe some filming, but I need everybody's support.
0: And if you can't make the trip to St. Louis this weekend, is there a place where you can watch this?
1: Yes, Uh, we have a guy, Bob Rice, from No Prep Felons on Facebook. He's going to be live streaming it. So go check out No Prep Felons on Facebook, uh, and you can watch the event there. Uh, uh, You can go ahead and, you know, like you'll see us talking in the driver's meeting, the chip draw, so on and so forth. Uh, It's just going to be some good old-fashioned raw footage. It's not going to be edited or anything like that. And uh, we're just keeping it bare bones, rough neck and real.
0: Sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And Joe, I like to give all of my guests their opportunity at the end of the show to thank who they need to thank and tell them what's got what they've got going on and everything else you like, you know, like John Force used to do on the old Diamond P video production. So the floor is yours, my friend. Thank you. You need to thank and tell people where they can learn more about what you got going on.
1: First thing I do want to do is I want to thank all the sponsors, because without them, we would not have any of this happening, right? I mean, we all know sponsors help us out, and we got, uh, you know, Race Star Wheels, Morris Mopar, CIT, No Prep Racing, Fluid Damper, Red Horse, Holly, O'Reilly's, Phil's Trailer Sales, Unique Party Rental, the list goes on and on. I can keep going. Wiles Drive shaft. And I'm sorry if I forgot anybody, like Lake Michigan Metalworks, but I got to tell you here, guys, think about something. We got over 22 sponsors for this race. That should tell you what the industry is looking for alone. I think we broke a record for sponsors for a first-time event, and um, so keep that in mind. Uh, right now, you know, we're not filming Garage Squad this year. We took the year off, so I am slinging wrenches for customers in my own shop, and I'm having a ball, and I'm enjoying it and building a lot of motors and we're having a lot of fun and the important thing for me right now is make it through Builders Brawl this weekend and then I'm going to be at Mopar Nats in August 12th and 13th I believe I'll be down there with the Daytona so we have a lot of great things up and coming the rest of the season
0: awesome good stuff make sure you check out Joe online and on social media and watch the Builders Brawl this weekend it was great talking to you and uh we'll see you soon Joe thank you very much Brian